and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dave, and today I'm joined by a larger-than-life character in more ways than one, uh, Andy Connell, who uh, previously was heavily involved in the Skirmish Crew and is now a player. Um, hi, Andy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Long-time listener. First yeah. time talking. Really? I didn't know you listened to it. Oh, that's embarrassing. Um, no, don't be oh, embarrassed. I feel like I'm at a disadvantage now. So, uh, But... Um, we kind of uh, there was a there was an incident at the end of one of the battles, and uh, you commented on it. Then I then someone else commented on it and said you two should have a chat. And I was like, we should totally have a chat. And now uh, it's developed into us finally after many many weeks, uh, months in fact, uh, got to the point where we're sitting down and talking. So I really appreciate Andy um, you coming along oh, and uh, having a chat. So. Uh, why don't we talk a bit about your kind of, and this is going to be a vast question, but your experience with LARP and generally who you are. Um, so I've been uh, LARPing since uh, I think maybe 97. Um, before I came away to uni, I had a couple of friends who uh, who were going to the to the, uh, to the the LT, to the gathering. I'm very excited about it. It looked quite cool. Um, and then I did reenactment for a few years, um, English Civil War. Um, and then I went into uh, uni. Uh, and one of the guys that I met at uni was uh, quite a keen LARPer. And he said, oh, I'm going off to uh, Curious Pastimes. It's a, it's a different game. And we're going to do this new group. We're going to be Vikings. Are you, are you in for it? And I was like, yeah, it sounds really cool. Uh, and that was it. I've never looked back. <laughs> so I've done a, yeah, a, f- a fair amount of LARP over the years. I've done sort of large games. Uh, I've never been to LT, but I've done Curious Pastimes for many years and obviously uh, Empire as well. Uh, I've done a whole load of sort of smaller games, some sort of one-off games and some sort of short run type games. But um, yeah, it's a great hobby. I get a lot of fun out of it. Yeah, you must have... You must have seen like the hobby change an awful lot in that time, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, on many different levels as well. I mean... In terms of production values and fizz repping and that kind of thing, you know, first time I was LARPing, I had half a chainmail suit because I hadn't finished making the rest of it, held on with bungees, and a cloak that was clearly made from my mum's curtains. Uh, and when I went to my second event, I had some wicked pauldrons that I'd made from cutting up an old car bonnet. It was, you know, it was, you know, it was very cheap and cheerful in those days. But to a certain extent, it was one of the, you know, despite that, it was so immersive and everyone was having such a lovely time. Um, that it, you know, it was sort of caught everyone's attention. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's a, I suppose it's a bit like, um, and you're a similar age to me, so you'll remember having like the like end of old black and white TVs when I was really a kid, and then color, and then we went from CRT style monitors <laughs> to our first flat screens, and now we're in like 4K or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah when you're absolutely. watching those old stuff, you were never like. Oh man, this is shit. I wish I had something better than this, right? Like uh, you just enjoyed what yeah, you had at the it. time. So you know, I, I look back at some, you know, some old, you know, actual printed, um, developed photographs that um, you know I got from my first couple of LARP events. You look at them now, and I'm like, oh, man, it looks proper ropey. <laughs> yeah, and you compare yeah, it. Yeah, but to even the... then, I would say uh, photography seems to have taken on an evolution oh, as well, yeah. right? Yeah, like, um so it's it's kind of watching all aspects of the hobby, uh, rules, inclusion, uh, the quality of kit, like all this stuff has slowly been leveling up over the last few years, especially even in the time I've been LARPing, like five years, I would say there's yeah. been a, a big shift. Even approaches to, in approaches to rule systems. Um, I mean, I've done some, some linear systems which use, which use battle boarding, which is a 
it's an experience is the only sort of word I can think to say. Could, um, could you describe it? Uh, Battleboarding, yeah. So, so it comes from. It's almost like a, a direct lift from from classic sort of tabletop D and D. So you've got a hugely complex number of stats, and you're being hit by baddies that are doing a hugely complex number of things. Because ultimately, you're running adventures every Saturday afternoon with a small group of, of players. So every time you finish a fight, the referee comes over with a literal clipboard often. And it'll be like, what damage did you take in the fight? And you'll be like, oh, I took uh, seven flaming quads and uh, two mantic quins and 17 doubles. And they'll be like, oh, okay, let me just tick you off and hear, yeah, you're on your death count, mate. And you'll be like, oh, okay, I'll just lie down there. No, that is that is exactly the lot I'm not interested in. Like, in any way. And I know this, it's horses for courses. I'm sure people have a great time every single weekend. But I. Me personally, I love stripped away rules. Yeah. I like uh, relying on players to role play effects. I don't know how hardcore I am on that. I'm sure there's some people there that are just like, we're going to go to the woods and just do things. But um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I don't know if anyone runs with battle boards anymore. I know, I know of, and I don't want to say which ones I know of, but there are some very, very dense games that I have been said I should go try this. Um, but I'm, I, I'm prejudiced. I, I only have so many weekends a year, yeah. and and there's, there's no shame in you know, LARP is a LARP is a massive hobby these days, and there is no shame whatsoever in in enjoying the things that you enjoy. You know, and it's not like. You know, back in the midst of time when there was a, a handful of games, and if you wanted to go LARPing, you had to go to one of them. Yeah, you know, these days there's such a broad spectrum of stuff that falls under the LARP umbrella that you can go and do. That it's you know you can pick and choose, and you know I want to go for a game that's themed for me or a game that I'm going to enjoy. So yeah, it's cool. I think it's like uh, when I try and explain it to people, like when they're like, "What is LARP? Is that fantasy?" And I'm like, "Well, kind of, but it's a bit like." film or music like you can say i'm into music and two people could say they're very much into music whereas yeah. their definition of what good music is is vastly different same as film right like yeah. some people's favorite movie is bad boys 2 and then other people are like these esoteric nightmarish black and white films from russia right yeah, not, like so not everyone's into cannibal corpse no not everyone not everyone but i have enjoyed cannibal corpse when i was at film school and was uh <laughs> shaken to the core when i watched it actually uh, it just it just been, i think it just been unbanned or i'd got a banned copy of it because yeah, yeah. it was banned for a long time but yeah don't watch that movie um right let's get into skirmishing Let, let's kind of do the the main chunky bits that we should be talking about and then we can ramble off into the distance uh, towards the end of the episode so um what, what, uh, could you give a quick overview of what your opinion of, of of what skirmishing is and why you've kind of enjoyed it you know so so i came so i played at empire uh, one event in the first year um and i had I went a group of friends uh, i had an okay time um but i saw that if i could come back i would have a a great time to a certain extent um but didn't come back i was doing faction command stuff over at, at curious pastimes that was taking up a lot of my, my sort of lap time um, and then a few years later, Matt phoned me up and said, do you want to come and do some do some work for Empire? Um, and I said, I've just packed in Faction Command. I don't really have the time between events to, 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 to do the stuff you need to do between events. He was like, no, no, just come and be the Orc General. 
And I was like, what, for real? Is I can just come and do my favourite bit of LARP twice a weekend. And, and that's it, no no other responsibility. He was like, no, 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 it'd be great. So, so I came along. Uh, and obviously halfway through the first event, because I can't let things you know, be chaotic because it drives me around the bend, um, I sort of took charge of the skirmish team and, and sort of helped wrangle them. Um, it's fun. I enjoy it. Um, a lot of people... Actually, that's not true. So there, for a while, there was a big shift. People very much turned their noses up at LARP combat as being a very low-brow experience. Um, and, you know, oh, well, you stop role-playing when you go and fight people with rubber sticks. Um, which I've always found baffling. You know, for me, one of the greatest crucibles of, you know, fake emotion, because ultimately that's what we'll have when we go LARPing, is found on the battlefield and as a result of a, a fallout of the things that happen on the battlefield. So for me, it's always been a vast generator of, you know, emotionally driven and emotionally charged roleplay. And for me, the the narrative of combat and the narrative of why you're fighting and who you're fighting and how you're fighting is, you know, something that's a hugely enjoyable experience. Um, and I think that's why I've always... You know, I don't particularly enjoy just fighting people with rubber sticks. I find it stunningly dull because I always have like, you know, no emotional bind to that whatsoever. But once you layer the narrative and everything else on top, then it's, you know, it's often my favourite bit of games. Not always. Yeah, and I, I think that's... Um, well, we're going to talk, I think, mainly about Empire. Yeah. So if we're being general about things, it's probably we're talking about Empire. Lots of different systems have different different stuff going on. But um, yeah, I find the Empire stuff is kind of interesting because you do get a few different flavours of baddie, uh, which range from uh, your kind of uh, regimented orcs, who are painfully dull, which are the Jotun. Um, and then you have the Druze, who are really fun and nasty. Jotun who fight um stop me if I'm wrong by the way actually I'm gonna go through them and see if I'm right um the Grendel who are kind of like us they're smart and they fight um a bit like Imperials um but then you could go into like a whole bunch of wacky shit so you've got like the Valorn who are like plant zombies uh you have uh wraiths and undead and special units that do crazy shit and war rhinos and ice giants which you you actually were an ice giant is that right uh, yeah i've been an ice giant yeah yeah. <laughs> and you're quite tall anyway but to stick stilts on you um and then put this enormous costume it's it's quite the sight um <laughs> if you haven't seen that um but yeah like do you what sort of uh, do you do you like the variety? Do you have favourites that you've uh, done over the years? So, so the variety is a, a empire specifically is a really important thing for me. Um, so when I first came and started occurring uh, at Empire, the a lot of the combat stuff was slightly out of step with the rest of the game. So. Empire is a game, it's a sandbox. You can jump in, you can pull the levers, and the game is about what happens when you pull levers. And what the, you know, it's not about pulling the lever, it's about what happens after you've pulled the lever. And the combat stuff wasn't quite in step with that. You had these orc nations that had a great write up on the wiki and a great history and a background, but ultimately when they came on the battlefield, they were red orcs or green orcs or blue orcs there wasn't a lot of depth to what they do what they were doing 
and and it's no shade on the people who were running before um that kind of experience is great you know i've been in some amazing battles where the way the battles are run is let's throw waves and waves of people in tunics at the goodies until they're nearly out of healing and then we'll send in the big bad you know i've done some i've, I've been on the player end of some battles like that and they, they are phenomenal but ultimately it's not really what ticks my boxes what i like when i go on the field is to be in a, a live environment and for me it was critically important that empires fighting was the same as empires bits that aren't fighting you have the opportunity to jump in to pull the levers and then you see what happens so we transitioned to having the battles led in character um, rather than led out of character uh, and having sort of people shepherded around by referees um, and we also put a huge amount of effort into fleshing out the 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 units for the orc nations um, because you know they should be varied. You should be able to look across a battle line of your tune and go, right, that's a unit of Skaldir, that's a unit of Orvenoir, that's a unit of Raoyost. And then the extrapolation from that is you should understand how those units are going to behave on the battlefield and what sort of tactics they're going to be using so that you can counter your tactics. Um, the big thing that me and Tom always talked about when we were you know, planning battles and that kind of thing is the idea of tactical jeopardy. What we want to do is give the players choices you know not just stand here and whack people with a rubber stick until you're tired we want to give people you know meaningful exciting choices and decisions to make on the field you know there's a unit of Ulvenwar coming in for our flank we know that they don't have shields because that's not how they fight so let's move the archers over there and it's creating those opportunities for people now yeah this this all sounds great but honestly players are useless like uh we are a chaotic um group of numpties who uh it's i mean it's it's changed a lot um yeah yeah yeah, you want to you you want to run dynamic and exciting battles but you can only run dynamic and exciting battles to the level that the people you're catering for can can deal with otherwise so when you when you joined, did you have... Because I know how things are now with the structure. And from what I understand, you have... A lot like the Imperials have. You have a field commander. Then you have... Underneath the field commander, you have unit commanders. Um, and they are... From a skirmish point of view, they are given... like this. The players show up with a certain weapon set. They are assigned a, a brief... Uh, some abilities, some hit points, yada yada, and then they're assigned to a uh, field commander who then basically looks after them and like tells them what to do in the general scheme of things. Yeah. Was that always the way things were, like, or was that no, no, the no. development process? No, no, that was that was something that um, that we brought in and we started. At the end of the day, we had this. So historically, the skirmish team who did all the fighting counters outside of battle times. When it came to the big battles, they would form their own unit and they would be a discrete unit on the, on the battlefield. Um, and one of the things that I brought in is to have this idea of battlefield logistics. If we're going to lead in character, you have to have the, the support for that. So in the current era, the skirmish team play the unit commanders, they play the runners, they play the scouts, uh, they play any special monsters that need doing and that kind of thing. But having that that battlefield infrastructure is 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 absolutely critical. And for oh, for quite a while, the on the player side of the fence, that that battlefield infrastructure has historically been somewhat lacking. 
Um, it's it's a choice that people make. It's personally, it's an area of when I am playing as a player, it's an area of game that I enjoy. You know, talking about when we get on the battlefield, how are we going to make war? Who's going to stand where? What are our subunits going to be? How are we going to exploit opportunities? How are we going to be vigilant? Yeah, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I appreciate that game isn't for everybody. Some people just want to file onto the battlefield with their mates and whack people with rubber sticks and go home again. And that's that's cool. You have to. Uh, I think it personally. I think it adds to like a, a a way more dynamic feeling. Like when I'm going to the battle, and I like there's something to be said about also very experienced crew that you're fighting against. Like if you're fighting against a druge force you know they're going to try and fuck you over by flanking you, by doing feigning retreats, uh, a bunch of other tactics that you're like, you kind of as a player have to kind of get your head, okay, mm. we're going to fight these sort of people, it's going to be this sort of fight, we're in this sort of location, like Druze on the open field can be a bit shit, but once you get into the woods, that's where they really shine, you know, like, uh, and there's lots of avenues for attack and, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Druze are my, out of the, all the Orcs Empire, the Druze are my absolute favourites. So it's not because they're, it's not because they're stinkers either. Well, they are stinkers. Um, yeah. the, 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 the Imperial tactics always tend to be very cautious, hugely cautious. Um, and I'm a heartless monster. So when I am leading people in character, their characters' lives are the coin that I spend to achieve the objectives I want to achieve. And I don't lose any sleep about my friends having to re-roll a new character or whatever. I appreciate that not everybody is a cold-hearted meanie like I am. So there are a lot of folk who, when they're leading a unit or even leading an army or leading the, the whole empire, they come on the battlefield and their number one objective is to bring all their friends home. Which is a terrible way to, to fight a battle. Um, it's yeah, it, it hamstrings you from the beginning because you're too cautious. So very often, and it's not all the time, and it's less so in the modern era. But the players, uh, the player the imperial side, will bunch up and they will try and be in one big unit made of eight hundred people because everyone is scared of going off on their own and being separated and being cut off and surrounded and that kind of thing. And, you know, and it's a genuine fear, but you counter that with good tactics and good communication. Now, I contrast it to, to CP, and when we do the big battles at CP, the factions could be hundreds of yards from each other through the woods, down the hill and up the valley on the other side, and keeping in touch by runners and that kind of thing. And they don't have that same um, sort of blobbing up nature. Part of the issue you've got at the current site, though, is the the limitations of physical space. You know, people think that field for the battlefield is massive. It's not. You can comfortably jog from one side of it to the other in about one and a half minutes. And that's for, like, a fat man like me and play armor. Well, maybe you with your massive legs. It takes me about five minutes, I would say, and then I'm puffed out by the time we get to the end. But, um, yeah, the I think it's also like a question of scale here as well, right? Like, um, I'm sure back in the early days when there was maybe a couple of thousand players, am I right in thinking something yeah, around that it's, ballpark? It's become more problematic as, as, as time has gone on. Um, and especially um, the Druze need space to manoeuvre. And at the moment, you, you just don't have that space. Hmm. Um, we got uh, was it Druge? We got absolutely gorilla fucked by 
Yeah, it was like... Uh, yeah, actually, I saw you. You were in the centre, because you're a player now, and you were in the centre section. Um, and it, it it was just an absolute stomping. Like, um, units moving out and exposing other units. But like you said, with that many people, there is a, a lack of manoeuvre on yeah. that site. So... Um, I wonder if PD will be getting their own site. Not that I would make any comments on that because uh, it's very secret stuff. Um, yeah, the so the development of the kind of skirmish game. Let's talk about how how what what lessons you learned, how you got to where we are now uh, when you were when you were doing that sort of thing. So it's you only learn by doing, um, and very often we would. We would try and run battles that were were too dynamic for for what the what the players were. It sounds sounds pretty mean, but it sound for what the players were capable of achieving. Um, you know, you have to put a huge amount of effort in in character to get good at war, uh, and you have to want to put that effort in. And not every does. So you know, we would try and run battles with lots of split objectives and that kind of thing. And one of the things we found is you'd present battles to the military council because they have a, um, a sort of a, a choice they can choose from several battles and there's pros and cons in terms of consequence taking each one and we very much found that it would be if we presented a battle that was perceived to be too challenging irrespective of what the potential outcome would be they'd be like yeah we're not going to do that one you know two, two, two objectives at the same time absolutely not um, and one of the things that's happened over the last couple of years is we very much moved away from having a a single objective. There are now, on every battle, there are a broad portfolio of objectives that you can do, and then the Imperials can choose which ones they want to do. So great... Uh, and, uh, as a player, it's noticeable. Yeah. Like, uh, both me and, and Ian are huge fans of... Because um, we only get two battles, right? One you're monstering, one you're playing as a character. Um we like a lot of variety in our battles, right? Like, we like a dynamic situation where there's multiple objectives that... Um, oh, there's some heralds that we need to kill. Oh, someone saw a herald over there. And that, that kind of rumour mill that goes on in a battlefield of... Oh, we got the herald. Like, we're good. And we have to go and do this. Have they done the ritual yet? Like, all yeah, these yeah. different aspects to it. And you can kind of... Um, Especially when you're like me, and I tend to wander around quite a lot because uh, uh, Navari and I do what I want. Um, but the uh, you're, you're very uh, you get to see all this cool thing. shit happening, right? Like when you see the the ritual being pressed from all sides, and you try and like repel them back, and there's an entirely different story happening somewhere else. I think multiple objectives help that narrative, you know. They, they very much do, and it's um and the interesting thing is um so the objectives we try and make the objectives as as asymmetrical as possible. So I think a really important thing that a lot of people probably don't know is that the monsters typically don't know what the Imperial objectives are. The monsters have got their own objectives um, and the Imperials have got their own objectives and typically the only person who will know um, will be you know, Tom who's written the battle, you know, me when I was doing it and when I would brief the skirmish team. Um, when I briefed the skirmish team um, the night before the battle, we wouldn't tell them what the player objectives were. Um, so a great example is E1 this year. Um, the Yatoon battle, the, um, which was fought 
um, had several objectives. So from the Yatoon point of view, our objectives were to stop the Imperials from taking the, the forts that we were building. Um, and there were three forts on the battlefield. And the second objective we had was to stop our architect being murdered. Um, and those were our objectives. And the Imperials had, I think, probably... I struggle to remember now, I've slept since then. But they had four or five objectives they could have done. So there was obviously destroying the three forts. There was killing our architect. There were another couple. And then one of them was doing some rituals in the Regio. So for me... It was a really interesting battle to watch how it um, unfolded because you had the players when they came on the battlefield, the only objective they'd chosen to really go for was to do the rituals in the Regio, which was something the Yatoon just didn't care about and weren't even contesting. It was, you know, we were trying to keep you contained in that corner so you didn't break out and try and take our forts. So it's a great example of an asymmetrical battle objectives where we're all on the same field but the two sides aren't trying to achieve the same ends and the same goals um and one i of assume the... that's that's actually quite um abstractly relevant to how actual armies would probably fight each other right like especially yeah. specific units you go hold this hill um they might look at that and be like well we don't need that hill because that's not part of our game plan our yeah, plan is to hold absolutely. it down here right um yeah let's talk about um how do people get involved in skirmishing because i know that there is a, a a group of skirmishes who are all savages who are constantly working out and feeding on freddos every single day dreaming about war how do you become one of those savages um so the best thing you can do is email battles at profounddecisions.co.uk um and have a chat with um the guys running the team um, and they'll tell you what the current requirements are for, for skirmish. But broadly speaking, you need to be able to commit to several events a year. It's a full-time crew role. You get your smashing meal tickets and a, an, an unlimited number of Freddos. Uh, and in return, you have to work like a dog all weekend. Um, yeah. It is a... Uh, it is, it's a pretty physically grueling role. Because you are wearing armour, charging about, and fighting from seven o'clock in the morning because that's when we get up and go for breakfast and get ready for the battle prep all the way through until 10 11 o'clock at night and then usually after then there's a whole load of additional skirmishes that happen um that the skirmish team resource as well or encounters in anvil uh, or quite often these days they do some of the um the cool 10 encounters as well because one of these yeah i've, MPC, I've uh, heard about these yeah yeah they're quite cool so uh, empire's got a separate npc team who are who are phenomenal at absorbing the kind of the level of information you need to coherently hold in your brain to be a convincing npc at empire um but one of the things the skirmish team are great at is they are brilliant at portraying a group of people who know each other and who have a pre-existing relationship so yeah, you know, the NPC team—they've, they're, you know, they're all phenomenal role players. But you could take eight of them and put them in a room and make them be a gang, and it would be very obvious that they weren't a gang. Whereas with the skirmish team, they've got that very close relationship between all of them, where you can put them in that situation and they will believably portray a a group of people. I've heard about this magical place, uh, which is like a tent full of snacks. Um, 
is is that is that place real or is that uh... it's, it's, a, it's a tent and a cabin um, and a cabin and you can full of snacks full of snacks and even to the point where you're like oh I wanted this snack and they'll be like don't worry we will provide that snack for you when we're able um, yeah. it sounds like a magical place it's um, it's, it's phenomenal not good for the wasteland uh, yeah the uh, from what I've heard as well the way that skirmishes work during the day so say if you are part of the skirmish crew you'll do uh, a set of three or four skirmishes as one one flavor of baddie. Yeah. Then you'll have a little bit of chill out time, change your outfits, get ready for a new round of these. So it's not all go 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 every fifteen minutes, right? Well, it is at some points, but then you there's little breaks yeah. here and there. So yeah. So one of the one of the significant things that's changed over the years is arranging how the skirmishes done. So, uh, historically, loads of plot writers would write skirmishes and you'd end up in a situation where the team would spend more time getting changed than they did skirmishing. Um, so, we kind of told people that they had to write particular flavoured skirmishes. Yeah, you can still do your cool thing, but you need to do it here, not there. So, you could put skirmishes into blocks so that you didn't have to keep wasting valuable combat time by changing your trousers. So yeah, so they come out. The guys tend to come out onto the field um, and they'll do three or four back-to-back skirmishes, which will be your tune or druge or whatever it is. Um, and then they'll get to come back. I mean, I'm not going to be so glamorous as to say have a sit down, but you get changed and you get a different weapon loadout and put some different armor on, and then you go straight back out into the woods. Load up on Freddos and in Load you go again. Freddos. That's it. Yeah. Relentless. Um, I've actually become a huge fan of Battle Snacks. This is something I've developed this year. <laughs> is Have a little something in your pocket is yeah. the top tip. Like, uh, learn from the skirmish crew. Bring yeah. yourself a little... Uh, uh, a chocolate bar Krispy or... Square. Yeah, Rice Krispie Square. Of a bit of sausage, you know. Um, mission accomplished. Uh, well, my, uh, my friend Millie, she brings uh, pocket sausage. And it's... When you're offered pocket sausage as a, a day-to-day person you'll probably be like no thank you i don't want a pocket sausage in the middle of battle nothing better than a be pocket like, i'll sausage, take that i'll though. pick the fluff off it'll be fine yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah um yeah is there anything that you want to say more about the kind of like um to anyone to anyone that would want to join the skirmish crew like um it's, it's i mean i can't underplay how how much effort it is to do but it is phenomenally rewarding you know, you get to do loads of cool different things. You get to... One thing that's really nice that the team do is all the roles get rotated. It's not always the same people doing the same jobs. Everybody gets to have a crack at everything. Everybody, you can, you know, everyone gets to try being in one of the big monster suits. Everyone gets to try being a unit commander or a runner or a scout or whatever it is. So you actually get to do a, a huge array of, of different jobs, more so than you would if you were, if you were playing, for example. Though... So, it's it's really fun. It's probably not, and one of the things we always used to say is it's not really suitable for people who are new to LARP. Um, there is the very divided school of thought. And some people were like, oh, the best way to get into LARP is to go and crew something. And... A lot of people like best way to get into LARP is to go and play something. And I'm definitely in that camp. There is something about crewing, and I love crewing, but once you've seen the inside of the sausage factory, 
the magic is not the same. Whereas, you know, I can vividly remember my first LARP event as a player. You know, it is lodged in my head and it will never go away. And I think if I had crude LARP before that, I would have had a very different experience. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about that. It's one of the things I I sometimes worry about with Empire. The longer I play, the more I'm uh, I become aware of how things work and how the mechanisms of things, how behind the scenes they're actually moved and reacted to. Is one of those things where um, I quite like being as ignorant as I am sometimes. Like ever so often, I get a little peek, and then I'm like, "Nah, fuck it." Like I'll just, I'll just keep being ignorant. Sometimes it feels like I'm bashing my head against a brick wall, uh, but like generally, I'm having a, a really nice time, not yeah. knowing exactly how things work. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's um, it's um, it makes it easier to uh, to absorb yourself in the game world. But to a certain extent, I mean, Empire is such a big game these days, and it's got so many different facets of it you could almost entirely play out one aspect of it and then come back as a new character and have as much fun again doing a different facet of the game. And even if you went back to what you originally did, by the time you did that, the whole game would have moved on so far, it would be completely different. It's Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few aspects to this. There's uh, nation and archetype, like two, two things that there are nine nations yeah nine nations uh i'm right in saying that yeah yeah I, I know that 10 nations 10 nations uh there are 10 nations i've got your back here don't just, worry i was just testing the audience there just to yeah, keep i you can guys see sharp, why you would have forgot the navari um uh, <laughs> the um and like but each of those nations have a whole bunch of different archetypes um some of them have overlap like there are some magician classes or or whatever um but a lot of them have their own very unique thing and and, and how, I, I mean someone better at mass than me will probably be able to work out how many different variations on the theme you could probably run to um either way i don't think anyone's actually done that or if they have they probably haven't um enjoyed all the aspects of that role to, to do that um right let's talk about now we're gonna let's go a bit more freeform now andy uh, like this is the bit i've been really t- interested to talk to you about like let's talk about fighting let's talk about players let's talk about attitude towards fighting like where, where do you want to start andy where, where do you want to go with this um i can tell you so there's a big difference between fighting and being in a battle or being in a uh, in a combat situation and there are loads of people will tell you how to win larp battles but i know the secret of how to win larp battles are you going to share that i can you just need to subscribe to my uh, 50 part magazine <laughs> There are two things. <laughs> there are two things that win LARP battles. Number one is cohesion, and number two is communication. So you can have an army of all of the best rubber stick fighters in the world, and if my communication and cohesion is better than yours, I will win every time. You might sword more orcs, but that doesn't win battles. <laughs> But Andy, that's really that's really that's really boring. Um, you know, we want um, you know, like uh, so. That's, uh, I, I do agree, though. I think it's interesting when a lot of the uh, field commanders and sergeants and captains. Uh, I'm using terms that aren't yeah, existing yeah. in the game, but they they exist, right? Um, they'll be like, we're we're here to do this job. We're here to do this objective, and that's why we're here. 
Uh, we're not here to charge off after every single block of orcs we see just because we can think we can win that fight, right? Yeah, and it's yeah very much um, uh, the way that the game has evolved. I think it's it's, it's a great thing, um, and you can see which nations are better led on the field because ultimately they perform better. Yeah, okay, we're going to go straight into we're going to go straight into straight controversy. In. Then let's straight go. In. Who do you think are the best and worst nations at fighting? And um, why? And why? So I think the best nation of fighting, or the best nation at LARP battles, is probably the League. Hmm. I would have not have put them at the top of my list. Why? Because they are often very effective on the battlefield. So no nation can win a battle on its own. You know, at the end of the day. But the League are well-led they are well communicated to so they get together before the battles and they talk about what their objectives are and what the units are going to be and where they're going to stand and how they're going to act and what their things are and that's a huge step to to being effective on the battlefield you know they're very rarely in the wrong place to be effective you know there are a whole load of people on the come on the battlefield and they should very often zig, and in fact they zag, and it all goes very badly wrong. But the League are cohesive, they fight well together, and they know where to be at the end of the day. So, yeah, probably the League at the top. Interesting. I hate that, because I have friends who are in the League, and they're smug enough as it is. So Awkward. Another thing for them to be smug about. Um, <laughs> let's go to the opposite side. Uh, maybe... Nations that need a little help in how they they are organised. Uh, I'll be brutally honest and say it. Uh, for me, at the bottom of the tree is currently Wintermark. I would agree. It's a size thing, and it's a a composition thing. You know, there are some there are some there are some great units at Wintermark. Agreed. But then there are also a whole load of people who aren't particularly well led and end up turning themselves into a, a bit of a liability. So um I I've seen there's there's like one or two really cool units in Wintermark that are really very good. Like they they're good fighters, they know when to not bum rush after someone, they know when to maneuver to stop them being surrounded. I think it has something to do with also um the the speed up of experienced players and what that means for communication and ability because i've noticed that navarre now we're massive we've had similar issues especially seeing that we lost a few key um leadership figures on the battlefield as well this that. leads to kind of like um problems with that you know so um uh like having a unified front of well-known faces can sometimes be a huge difference if you're just wandering around really not knowing where you should be and what you're doing in a battle yeah it's and it's yeah when i'm commanding the orcs at the end of the day when wintermark and yeah to, you're right quite right to a certain extent historically in the bar, come on the battlefield i'm like great so all i'm going to do is tarp it they're two good units and i'm just going to fight those terrible people and then they're all going to go home hmm well, that's a deep comfort to us all. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about how do you feel about uh, rule sets and uh, people sticking to rules and how battles can develop in that sort of way? Like, um, I I'll start just to give a kind of quick overview of my opinion on it. Um, 
when the battles are really, especially in like crush situations, I'm talking like when people are holding the gates, for example, or there's a lot happening and it's very loud. I think calls can often be lost because mm-hmm. of the um, obviously one side are wearing orc masks, the other side might be wearing full clank chain. Um, so I think there's an awful lot of people that genuinely miss calls. There is a, another side of this, and I think this is a much smaller amount of players, is ones that deliberately either ignore or will bend the rules slightly to their advantage with not following exactly how it should be done. For example, you get a cleaved leg and then they hobble back five meters, then fall behind the line and, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's, for me... 90% of cheating at LARP is wholly accidental. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a frenetic and it's a chaotic environment. And at the end of the day, we're not actually stabbing each other. Um, and especially if you've got a load of armor on and you're wearing a helmet, you don't feel the arrow. You don't count that. It was that six hits or was that eight? I don't know. You know, you don't hear the strike down or you think it hit Jeff next to you. And and it happens. Um, and I think the overwhelming majority of people fall into that camp. And the you know, ultimately the job of the referees is to just go, oh, it was a strike down, mate. And you go, oh, shit, sorry. And you fall over. Or I think that was 12 hits, not eight. And you're like, oh, okay, I should definitely be in my death camp. Um, and, and that works fine. You know, everybody does that and everybody accepts that's the case. But, I, I literally did that last the, the battle on Sunday was it whichever one we were we were fighting on there was a big melee and it was all kicking off and somebody yelled cleave and it was only after we disengaged that I I, I was like because of the adrenaline's up I was like shit did that was that cleave for me and was that what it felt on my leg so and I try and play the, by the rules as hard as I can but like it happens all the time, you know. So, uh, but yeah, sorry, I interrupted it's, you. No, 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 no. But it's, it's you know, it, it happens and it's okay. And you know, people shouldn't beat themselves up about it. Yeah, never stop trying to be brilliant, but don't you know go home and cry into your pillow because you accidentally didn't take a cleave. You know, just take two next time you go out. Um, you know, it's not you know next time you get a strike down, you think, mm, did that hit me or not? Just you know, go down big and make it look cool. Because mm. the thing for me is. Um, a lot of the weapon calls, especially at LARP, they are they're fizz reps for the things that you can't do at LARP. You know, I can't hit you so hard that you fall over at LARP because it's not cool. But I can share a strike down instead, which is mm. is the fizz rep for that. And I can't charge into you, but I can shout repel. Um, you know, and they're the you know I can't get my block of sixty people to steamroll into your block of sixty people and knock you all over. But that's a mass repel. So the the calls make up for the things that you, you can't really realistically achieve in LARP combat. But there are a small proportion of people who are just massive cheats. Um, and one of the so one of the most frustrating things that sort of being in the skirmish team and on that side of the fence for such a long time is you see these people all the time and some of them are astonishingly brazen about it and you just see them again and again and again and then it colors your opinion of them when you go and play you're like i'm not going to role play with that guy he's a massive cheat i'm, I'm just not going to i'm not interested even though 
It might make all the sense in the world for my character to go and interact with that person's character. I'm not. I'm not doing it. You know, I don't want to hang out. With I, I think it's. I think it's interesting the the kind of mindset behind that. I think like, like my character, my first character, Ifan, died, and it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Like it was. It was absolutely awesome, and it also gave me an opportunity on a number of different ways. One, my death was fucking epic and really, really good fun. Um, two, like I got to see all my friends kind of give a eulogy and be upset about my character and we don't get to go to our own funerals so um also to see like people's opinion of my character like there were so many aspects to it that i was like really that that's who you think that that, that's so interesting you know like um so for me i I understand how really important part of the hobby is is character death and characters ending because it creates so much follow-on roleplay for everybody else you know and it's an old trope but it's better to burn out than fade away um yeah, and, it's, I, and it's great to see people doing that well i think it's like the uh, people get so attached to their characters i think there's an insecurity I, I honestly think it's an insecurity thing i i i genuinely do like this isn't like someone's going out there and being like i'm gonna be really horrible i see it as kind of like kind of sad right like uh dude like we're playing we're playing fantasy war and you're cheating like that that says like a terrifyingly large amount about that person personally that you're like what well, why do you feel the need to cheat at this right mm-hmm. like if you're a big whoop at empire um have confidence that you're going to be a big whoop again if that's what you want to yeah. do yeah. um uh and maybe change things up and be someone new the next time you know there and I, it's i don't know it's hard to say it's i don't know if it's just more noticeable when people in prominent in character positions do it or whether it's intrinsically linked to, you know, I have crowbarred my character to this point in the game. I don't want to put that effort in again. So, you know, I'm not going to take that hit that would leave me here stranded with all my mates. I'm actually going to, you know, take the arrow and then gracefully leap back 20 yards behind the battle lines and then die dramatically in safety just next to this position. Mm-hmm. Um so you know but i for me character death's really important and it's a really big part of the game and it's one of the things that makes a lot of uk games stand out from some of the big uh, european games like uh, dragonfest and that kind of thing where there it's much more of a spectacle and a bit less gamey and if you want to choose your character to be dead you can crack on and choose your character to be dead but if you don't want to yeah you don't have to um and for me, that's in terms of a, an ongoing campaign. It's not very cool. That's not true. Mm. It's not what I'm interested in doing, and it's not what yeah, I'm, tr- uh, I'm interested in seeing happening. I don't want to yuck someone else's yum. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that expression. Maybe not. Before. Okay, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> amazing. You can file it away. Pass it off as your own. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So, um, it's, um, it, but yeah, it makes me yeah, it I, makes I, me sad when I see it. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I I I honestly think there's. Um, having having gone through this conversation, like we were saying at the start, of it, I, I genuinely think the vast majority of people, if there's a miscall or a misunderstanding of how that rule works to you, uh, I think that's the the absolute vast majority. Um, I think it's like the. In fact, I've had situations where, uh, and this made my heart glow, was when I was monstering and I took on like people I know. I'm wearing an orc mask. They have no idea who I am. 
um, and I clipped the back of this guy's leg. He had uh, braces on on the front, so metal braces, so it yeah. wouldn't have worked on the front of his leg. Clipped the back of his leg. He went down like a sack of potatoes, grabbing his leg, and I was just like, ah, oh, I knew that guy was a good guy, and there he is doing exactly... Because I was almost like, hey, that could have hit the, the plate. If he, if he wanted to, it could have done. Yeah, yeah. But he made the decision that, no, 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 that 100% touched the back of my leg, and therefore I go down. I was like good fucking dude man like that's that's how that's how it's done you it's, know it's it's it's, you know, it's fun and it's role playing and it's drama and it's engagement why wouldn't you want to you know i see people who take a strike down and they just kind of like edge backwards five paces and go on one knee and i'm like you've just missed the golden opportunity to do some great role playing where you could have yeah. thrown yourself to the floor and your friends could have stormed forward to rescue you and that kind of thing and it kind of it ties into a um a, almost a almost a good spirit of monstering um you know at the end of the day when we go on the battlefield to monster we're not we're not after a kill count you know the orcs victory isn't keyed to the number of imperials they murder in just the same way the imperial victory isn't keyed to the same number of orcs they murder so you know we're not deliberately gunning for a for a body count so and people who do big role play and do great role play and take their effects well you know, they're not the people who are going to get executed by the Kalad. Um, also, I think there's something interesting to be said about when you first start going to LARP, you don't know that many people, and not having friends is a really quick way to die sometimes. Um, just by the nature of how fights work, you've got a lack of experience and a lack of people. Um, I know people who are very popular people who have uh, made some very reckless decisions trying to basically trying to roll the dice and see if they will die. Um, and they keep on getting saved um, the, over and over and over and over again. It's like very hard to die sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or if you do die, you're taking 10 of your mates with you. So it's people talk about the most important skill at LARP. And you know, a lot of people talk about the most, you know, the most overpowered skill at LARP being charisma. It's not the most overpowered skill at LARP. It's having mates. Um, so, and cardio. Um, yeah, surely everyone's got that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I haven't expanded heavily through two Hobbit LARPs recently, um, and the heaviest I've ever been. Honestly, I am. I've got this. Uh, I've got this LARP in um, uh, the Czech Republic in January, which is like a twenty-five mile, twenty-five uh, k hike over mountains yeah, called Legion. Yeah, yeah. It's basically a death march, and I'm like. I need to get my tubby ass down the gym like immediately, otherwise I'm literally gonna die on that hill. Um, okay, gym. Gyms are terrible. You should do the um, do the zombies run, couch to five k. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, I did the BBC one, but zombies sound great. Oh so, yeah, you get like uh, a little narrative about how you've been chased by zombies while you while you go for a run. I mean, okay. I hate running with a passion that burns. Uh, it's the only thing that gets me through. Ah, nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think like one of the one of the nice things about fitness and LARP is actually having the ability to do the things you want to on the field is um, kind of being clever. And obviously, there are people with uh, disabilities or things that will hold them back. I've had personally a whole shitload of medical problems in the last couple of years that um, never seem to end. In fact, this year I haven't been in an ambulance, and I'm taking that as a massive win. Um, but the uh, the the I think for a lot of folks out there, um, exercise, the gym, um, these things can be very alien concepts to them and kind of like full of people that are kind of mean and whatever. But LARP is a good reason to 
get your body into shape, be healthy, um, so you can be the hero that charges around the battlefield, um, like risking your life to save your friends and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's great. It's cool. And it, yeah. I think it, it's as, you know, LARP, as we said at the beginning of the, um, the conversation, you know, LARP has become a lot more mainstream, certainly in the in the public eye. Um, yeah, I've I've never been one to be ashamed of telling people about my hobbies. Um, and I'm the first person to go, here, look at these amazing pictures of me doing my hobby. Look, check this out, check this out. Look at me, I'm brilliant. Um, but no, that's not for everyone. But it's nice in this day and age to be able to say, when someone says, oh, what do you do? And you go, because you used to be able to go, oh, it's a bit like reenactment, but we use rubber swords and we dress like orcs. Uh, whereas these days you can say, oh, yeah, it's like Lord of the Rings or you know Game of Thrones or something like that. And people are like, oh, yeah, I mean, that sounds brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I think it's. I think I've seen that in since we started playing the game because we came in in like a big wave of like uh, people becoming popular. Um, I also think it's like the the anti lockdown. I think it's like from what we went through in 2020. It's like it's not stuck in your house. It's social. It's real. It's like uh, it's not playing computer games or D and D with your mates online. It's you actually have to go out and do the thing. And yeah. I think that's something. That we, I know I was personally like so happy to get back to, and it made me love it even more once I once we got out of lockdowns and managed to actually enjoy ourselves again. It was, um, yeah, really good for the soul, you know. I mean, I was very lucky, I live in the middle of nowhere and I hate people, so I quite enjoyed the play time. <laughs> well, yeah, I also, I think I, I think I also hate people, but I'm horribly, um, enthusiastic about talking to people which is a it's a it's a bind it's a real problem um but anyone that knows me knows uh i, I need a nap at larp uh i need some alone time no uh, I, I'm, hey i'm the larp king over here okay like people try and nap like me and they will fail because that's like a specialist subject for me um uh in fact like uh on the friday last event i had to run around because i forgot my boots and i was like had to drive oh, home and get yeah. my boots and come back um and my friends were like oh he hasn't had a chance to nap you know and they were like genuinely worried that like oh no we're gonna get like grouchy grouchy <laughs> dave is gonna come along and he's gonna be very very moody and uh yeah so yeah and it's funny listening to people arrive at my camp um like say if i'm dozing off they're like oh is this is senator ashbourne here and they'll be like oh he, he's he's a little busy at the moment type thing and like like no i'm just just having a nap what um, having staff is so important yeah staff never pay them um never ever pay them but they i wouldn't be able to do uh anything i do at larp without my team they're the so, best um, i think it's been part of your part of your you know part of your fun and games that's well hopefully enough. Um, I think that's one thing that I've had to definitely get used to in the last couple of years is kind of like people enjoy doing things with you, even if it is like we need to walk fucking 20 miles a day going and seeing people, failing to find them, realizing that they came to visit me at my camp and it would have been better (laughs) if we just stayed where we were the entire time. Um, In fact, I think I'm going to have a big sign made for E4 that just says like, I will be in between this time and this time and just let people come to me you know so um yeah and is there any other subjects like uh, i feel like we could talk for hours but like is there anything else that you wanted to kind of touch on um what what was your what's your favorite battle of all time empire oh that 
That's a fucking question. One, so one of the things that I've said, one of the things I've certainly enjoyed from um, from the podcast is, yeah, because you guys always talk about the battles, um, and I find it really interesting the difference between you know, the battle that we've written and the battle that we played out on the field, and then what people's takeaways from those are. Um, I, I would say that I would say that we are probably fairly unreliable narrators. We try and do our best, but but, um, but, but, that, but that's the really intriguing thing, and that's the really interesting thing because that's you know you are very representative of the majority of people who come on the battlefield. Yeah, you know, you're not in military. I'd like to think so. Yeah, you know, you're you know, you're not in military council. You're not generals. Yeah, you know, you're not largely sort of leading nations on the field. So I very much always enjoyed your perspective on what actually happened. And it's great because when you're writing a battle, you want it to engage people. You want it to engage as many people as possible so that it will have a lovely time. Because at the end of the day, that's the only reason you're doing it. It's to make sure that the players have a great time. And now, you know, the way that the game works at Empire, having a great time could be zagging when you should have zigged and being horribly murdered by Druge. But, you know, we still want to make it about the players. So I'll tell you... I'll tell you things I've enjoyed. I, like I can't think of a specific battle, but I can think of like things that I've really enjoyed in battles. Um, actually, I'll start off with things I don't really enjoy. I hate gate crushes. I find them boring. Um, it's for twenty people at the front of the line who are fighting really, really hard, and most everyone else has to kind of sit around and kind of wait for things to kick off. That's one of the things I least enjoy about it. Um, things I really enjoy. Um, the woods are fucking awesome, especially when things start getting chaotic and there's units moving around and flanks are being exposed and you're not sure whether you're going to be uh, charged into by a giant blob of orcs or not. Um, and that th there for me, that the kind of last stand stuff that you can do there and then suddenly being relieved are, are amazing moments. Um, I love, uh, I love any big creature. Anything at all, anything that involves smoke and big creatures running around is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've never got to fight a war rhino yet because usually what happens is all the players kind of crowd around and just start whacking it. But um, I'd love to be able to fight a war rhino at some point. Um, well, if, you, if you upset the Grendel, maybe you'll get to. Oh, I wonder. I wonder <laughs> if we're going to go to war with the Grendel or not. The biggest. Who who knows, Andy? Anything could happen. Anything, anything. Anything could happen. What's that? Anything. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. I mean, like, uh, bear in mind, the Brass Coast still have their fleet ready to go. Oh, I'm sorry. That's at the, the, the bottom of the sea. So, um, or is that too soon? Um, yeah, no, I'm sure it's... And what's cool is the Empire spent the last two years doing nothing but preparing for that war again. Yep, they certainly absolutely. haven't let that slip at all and just done other things and ignored that that was going to be a problem in two years. Um, they haven't done that. So what could go wrong? I mean, can people even remember what the, uh, what the Grendel elite units are called and how they fight? Who knows? There's only one way to find out. There's only one way to find out. And I personally look forward to uh, being a Grendel again because uh, they're definitely like way up there in some of my more favourite things, mainly because of our unit commander that we had. But, Bill, my um, man Bill. He's the best. Oh, he's he's a, fucking he's an absolute great. champion. Absolute um, I think like he's a, uh, and I'm I'm, I'm just going to kiss his ass for a bit, but that, that he's really really good at being clear in instruction, understanding that not everyone in the group has the same level of fitness and 
He's always checking in to make sure people are okay. He actively makes people in that unit want to be part of that unit. Um, they want to go and find him again. They want to be part of the group of people that they... Uh, and he builds bonds very quickly as part of a team. So often when you're being assigned to units, you might be with complete random people, maybe one or two mates part of that. Um, he Really good cohesion, really good fun, good attitude, and also very good at fighting. Like, I've had uh, military commanders that have made us charge parallel to the front of the Imperial line and then just got absolutely ganked. Or someone that would charge you off over a giant group of bushes um, and then fight on the edge of a bush with nowhere to maneuver, like, stuff like that. But you always get the feeling, like, he's he's not going to send you to your deaths unless it's absolutely necessary and uh, we're going to have a, a, an absolute ball of time. So, yeah, Bill, well done, man. Like, yeah, uh, hats it. off to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't had it. I haven't had him in ages. I, I need to kind of put a special request in to have him as a unit commander. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have a chat with him. Yeah, have a chat and just uh, see if I can collar him. You know, I'll wear a special armband because I've got my alt mask on. Well, luckily, um, his, his favourite unit to command is Wave Riders for the Grendel. So Wave Riders. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, wicked. Um, yeah, I think the the kind of the the larger scale thing at Empire is really interesting. I'm kind of this is one of those. Remember, we're talking about like seeing how the sausage is made. I'm like really curious to see where they thought the game was going to be, how it's ended up where we are, because I know there's been like, like take for example the war in the north with the Jotun is just like what the fuck are we doing? What what are we all doing here? This is like. This is this is the, the the I'm listening to the Horus Heresy at the moment. Okay, like there's a mm-hmm. it's sixty something books long. Okay, I'm, thirty I'm, books I'm in. I'm familiar with it. Yeah, I ever so often you come across a book and I'm just like, this is fucking filler. This is this is not part of the main story. <laughs> this is just <laughs> some fucking bullshit, and it's fourteen hours of my life listening to this audio book, and uh, I just have to get through it. And it's like. That's what the war in the north is like right now. I, I took some strong guidance from some friends on that series, and there's a whole load of books I didn't listen to. Yeah, I skipped one, and even now I'm like, even if I get to the end, I'll be like, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it, otherwise I won't feel. It's a personality thing, Andy. It's just not. It's not healthy. It's not something I'm. I'm not showing off right now. I'm like, <laughs> look, look, look how ridiculous I am as a person. That this is how I have to approach life, uh, just suffering the entire time. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah. I'm really curious to see how Empire develops. Like I, 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 I band between. Does Empire end with? one region left one nation left and all of us getting murdered right and then i'm like that could be true it could be true um but then there's this whole sense that we're still in this kind of introductory stage now in a computer game where you have your first zone and it's like we're still messing around in in the noob center and there's like all this shit out there in the world like other nations and a wider globe like we haven't even explored huge swathes of the land and there's been like these plot points on the wiki that have been like who knows what's there and like that still hasn't been explored or understood yet so um, the 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 setting for empire has such enormous potential at the end of the day, the setting is so rich and so well developed, and the game is, at the end of the day, it's a triumph of game design. Because you you exist in this constant 
state of peril. You know, the whole of the Empire is constantly juggling plates, while at the same time, seemingly sometimes, trying to knock each other's plates off. Um, and Well, <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the meme on the guy on the bike with the stick, and he goes and puts it in the front oh, of the yeah, bike, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, falls yeah. over, and then goes, ah, oh, fucking Jotun. Do you know what I mean? It's like... like no, Imperial 101. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but like... Um, it's a, it's yeah, a, it's I think a time it's, for game design. I, I get the feeling... Like, um, like, take for example, at the moment, the Druze are really on the back foot. Like, even if the Druze are, as a nation, are destroyed, like, whatever that means, right? That we take over all their territories, there's going to be something behind that territory, and the lingering remains of what the Druze are will always be there. Mm. Like, there will be some fluff in it. A lot like we have, um, uh, the the is a bad example, but stuff that happens in regions that because these regions are so vast and so, yeah. like there's there's room for whole things happening around there, like um, of different groups coming along, providing plot, providing opportunities. Um, yeah, I find it really interesting. The it's, it's, the black market of stuff in Empire is really interesting as well, which is something I really wasn't aware about. Which I don't know how much I can even talk about, but now I am aware of some of the 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 some of that which i can't really even talk about but <laughs> no, holy shit um there's um the but this is the thing the you know the game offers so much to so many people and there's always a way that you can jump in and find your bit of game um and you know your thing to get excited about and your thing to get involved with and i think i think a lot of people don't just don't realize how big and rich the setting is um you know because people are like oh let's let's have a war with the commonwealth and it's like do you have any idea what that would look like? But it'll be over real quick. Yeah, but do <laughs> hey Andy, do we want um, the Commonwealth to become a super state and the principalities of Yarm to to become a failed state? I mean, is that what we want? I mean, this is that this is where I've ended up in the game, and I think I'm playing it wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I I, I, I need to be more like uh, my buddy Ian, who literally just like flounces around blowing bubbles and going to parties. That seems to be. I mean, the best way to play Empire. That's, that's, that's not for me, but, but that's the, it, it's interesting actually because the 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 game's so big that you've got people like yourself who are on effectively on the cutting edge of the, the political game and that kind of thing and getting. A huge oh God! If amount. if if I'm the cutting edge of the political game, then the Empire's seriously in trouble. By the way, but yeah, <laughs> I certainly compared to me anyway. Uh, yeah, I got put on trial for murder at the last event. Um, You've only been player for like two events or something ridiculous. I, I, I definitely did it as well. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> virtue defence. Oh, it was, but it's a great example of game design. What's legal and what's virtuous aren't necessarily the same thing, and it makes for so much phenomenal role play. Um, but yeah, I mean, the system's so big, you can get hugely invested with any of the big imperial structures. But equally, there's a huge subset of players who just come to the game. To exist in a breathing, thinking, fantasy world for the weekend. And the game's big enough that it can do that. You can have people who just want to go to a coffee house and read the in-character paper and, and just be immersed in that world. And I think it's it's a great thing because, it, you know, I remember, remember the very first... When I came to Empire as a player in the first year, there was some guy who'd come along as a fruit seller. And... And all he did all weekend was sell fruit for in-character money. 
And a couple of people were like, that bloke's an idiot, he's kind of playing a fruit seller at a game full of heroes. And I'm like, that guy's a champion. He's obviously having a lovely time, and he is making my background and my setting so much richer by his presence. You know, I can go and roleplay with him and give him some toy money, and I can roleplay with that guy and have a, a buying-selling experience in a, in a fantasy world. And no, it's not what I want to do when I come to LARP for the weekend, but I fully support his opportunity to do that because he's making my game cooler. Yeah, I know. Uh, obviously, having played the game for a few years now, like you end up meeting. I've got lots of people that I consider to be close friends that I've only met through the hobby, only met through Empire, um, and it's lovely going around and just seeing all the different nations, how they're interacting, their cultures. Um, I like one friend of mine um, in Eurozen is legit a fucking hero. Like he's actually a fucking hero. The guy's like unkillable. He's first one in, last one out. He's an absolute fucking champion. And then. There are there there are people who just enjoy having silly bugger times and spending loads of money on building ridiculous shit that is just ridiculous, you know. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, some people's highlights of the weekend are smut readings, right? Like it's there's an there's but all of this tapestry is like something that I really enjoy about Empire is all these different stories and that you can just bump into random people and experience a little little part of their narrative is is fucking great you know um i think there's gonna be i think i think empire is has issues with the fact it's so big and the wiki is so dense that sometimes when you want to get into something it's hard to not feel like you're way behind on stuff but i think I've, so from my point of view, I, I think quickly there's... Where I've been really lucky in Navarre, for example, I'm a senator, but all the senators are really supportive. They want me to succeed, and that's part of it, so they're, they're like helping advise me, and I think that's what a lot of more experienced players should be doing, you know? I think... So I, I think the majority of experienced players are quite good about bringing other folk along with them and bringing other folk into the game with them, because at the end of the day, LARP is a, it's a collaborative hobby. You can't do it on your own. Yeah. Um, and I think the overwhelming majority of people do that and sort of follow those trends. But I think people place a huge amount of pressure on themselves to try and absorb everything on the wiki before they come to LARP. And you don't need to do that. You need to understand the rules. You need to understand the mechanical game rules, and that's the most important bit. And you need to understand a bit about your nation so you can roleplay appropriately for your nation because one of the things that makes Empire Super is the amount of brilliant game design that's gone into solidifying those those national identities. You know, it's great to be able to walk through Anvil and go, that person's from Varushka, that person's from the League, rather than walking through another LARP event and being, hmm, that person's from Darkblade. Um, it's, you know, it's and it's it's a vital part of it. But you don't need to read everything i mean i'm quite a busy person in real life and before an event i look at these summaries for the winds of war and the winds of fortune because they're brilliant at the top it tells you this wind of fortune is relevant for the people who are doing this or the people who are in this nation or the people who are priests or this that and the other and i go through and i cherry pick out the ones that i want to read and be immersed about and it's brilliant because what it does is it gives you something to have a strong opinion about when you come to the field because it's a great role play starting point 
if you've got a strong opinion about something. You know, even, it doesn't matter if you're for it or against it. You can walk into the field with a handful of strong opinions and you can start an in-character conversation about something meaningful with somebody else in your nation or even better, from somebody from another nation. And it's uh, it's a great gateway into roleplay. I think there's two things uh, to expand on that. One, I, I'm i dyslexic, so I, I fucking hate reading. I hate going all that stuff. I've gone down a few rabbit holes where I'll find something and I'll be like, that's interesting. I search in the books, show me articles or, or things that contain these words, and then I'll just try and find as much information about that one specific thing. And then usually cascades into a bunch of other shit. I'm not trying to... I'm fight read for hours i'm actually motivated to kind of find out more information about this specific thing the other thing i like doing is uh which i think is a good rule for life generally is if you have an opinion go and test that opinion out with people if you uh suddenly realize that you're missing a huge piece of it by talking to someone about it incorporate that information into what you're saying and then go forward with that as a new basis of understanding yeah. And you'll slowly evolve this, like literally evolving an argument for or against a thing by engaging with that on the field. So, and, um, and it will be yeah. a cool in-character opinion that you've earned through play and you've earned through talking to other characters and understanding their motivations and all that kind of thing. And it's such a more valid perspective than deciding what you think about something before you come. Yeah, I, I would agree. In fact, like through my political machinations it's been like um there are players who completely believe they are right and i believe i'm right and but we come into it from totally different perspective from either side perspective we're both correct we just have a different way of viewing a thing say for example the liberty pact for example um but the, the the there's a lot to that and it doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong if someone disagrees with you um, yeah. You can just be looking at it from different priorities and different perspectives, you know. Very much so. And it's and the one thing is that, that is really great is that the information is there on the wiki if you want to go and look for it. There are some other games where you know you've got players who've been invested in playing that game for twenty years or whatever, and a lot of the in-game knowledge is is locked up in their heads. And it means to the only way to get that knowledge is to go and role play with that person or to be that person's, you know, in character friend. Um, which is not a great way to run a game, to be honest. You know, having information firewalled away behind other players, I find a bit rubbish in this day and age. So having a, you know, not every secret under the sun is on the wiki, and nor should it be. But there are no. You know, there's no one gatekeepering huge swathes of the game away from new players or players who are interested in getting into a particular thing. And I think it's one of the great triumphs of Empire as a game. And it has the benefit of, even though it's been going for, what, 10 years now, it has the benefit of being a new game still. You know, it's not a game that's been going for 25, 30 years and has this kind of, like, terrible legacy behind it it's like a line drawn in the sand let's go forward from this point in this in this way um and i think that's one of its big advantages i also think like i i i liken larp to uh, and this happened with like indie games about 10 years ago it's like it's like the rock and roll of 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 this time period because everything everything's still developing and new techniques are coming out and PDs adapting, other LARP systems are adapting. 
and we're all figuring out what the the best way to do something is and also again like not necessarily the best but what what we enjoy as 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 people that enjoy the hobby you know um yeah it's really fucking exciting um i'm still a massive larp advocate even after five years i think i think what's funny is like uh, i had a friend of mine ask me like oh still doing the podcast then it's just like oh do you ever feel like you're just kind of grinding it out because you're doing this podcast i'm like not at all like i fucking love it it's like um if I ever do get to that point, I'm just going to stop the podcast. It's like, yeah. it, it doesn't, like, it, why would I keep doing it if I it didn't like yeah. it? You know? So this isn't, this isn't um, paying, paying your bills, right? Uh, it, no, it's certainly not. <laughs> it, it's definitely, definitely not paying the bills. Um, being a LARPer and a LARP podcaster is a very expensive hobby. Um, so actually that, that should, that should lead on nicely to thanking our patrons actually. So, uh, cause we do have some very nice people who are helping us keep the lights on. Hold on. Uh, there are now 14, so I have to use a digital dice roller. So let's have a look. Oh, here. Oh, bye bye, D12. Um, uh, Paul Venner. Thank you, Paul, very much for your patronage. Oh, Paul, we do Paul's really lovely. appreciate it. Um, do you know Paul? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I, I mean, I know quite a lot of people. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of people on here that I don't think I've met that um, that live in my consciousness now forever because. It was, um, uh, it was, uh, was it Mark last time? It's one of the skirmish uh, things. Uh, bup, 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 bup. How do you pronounce his surname? I'm not going to tell you. Where were the fun in that? <laughs> we fuck it up every single time. I know, and I very um, much enjoy it every single time. Fuck, it's so funny. And we start off so confidently. We're like, Mark And then it's like, shit. We really <laughs> should learn how to say that. You know, two dyslexic hosts, but hey, what are you going to do? Um, Andy, is, is there anything that you want to kind of close out with? Anything that you kind of want final thoughts? Um, I'm so in some ways, I'm really sad that Ian wasn't here because I really wanted to say a big personal thank you for triggering that route at E1. Yeah, threw <laughs> me a real solid there, buddy. You know, I was looking a bit grim for a little bit, very tense, very on the edge, and then suddenly everyone was going home. So... Big thanks for me. Checks in the post. I'll I'll make sure he listens to that section and uh, his his fans goes. I know a lot of people in the league appreciate that as well. And in Navarre, very popular fellow in Navarre now. So um, yeah. Um. Uh, in all reality, though, I think it was, and it pains me to say this. I think it was purely uh, a coincidence. Um, I that it I know more about it, which I can't talk about. Because it's not public knowledge, but there is, there's certainly more to what happened than the, the public falling on the sword that Talis has done. So, but it's interesting to watch him suffer. It's it's great. Talis has had it way too easy for one. I mean, way too go long. Enjoy, go on, go on, ride on that emo roleplay. Come on. Ah, uh, yeah, he's. Oh my god, that's what it is. It's emo <laughs> roleplay. Fuck. Oh no. All right, uh, let's close things out. We usually close things out with like someone saying something like a catchphrase or or a saying. Uh, do you have anything that would be suitable, Andy? Um, not for publication. I would have thought. Um, I don't particularly have a, a catchphrase. Might have, ask some of the some of the skirmish team see if you think uh, if they think I've got a catchphrase. Um, All right. Uh, but, uh, well, no, then... I mean I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing everyone at, um, at E4 playing playing a very different experience, and I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. So. Well, thanks, Andy. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.